one, episode one of the A&I Podcast Adventures. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Ajith Carr, and I'm an undergrad student at UCI. My major is Criminology, Law, and Society. Uh, I'm your co-host, Isabel Kinzel, and I'm also an undergraduate junior at UCI, and I'm a Criminology, Law, and Society major as well. We're conducting this interview for our podcast project for class. For this interview, the goal is to understand the experiences of a current social media influencer and our guest, Anthony Runfula. We will focus on how Anthony understands social media and its legal protections, how the media portrays the law, and the effects of social media on the law, other influencers, and audiences. Anthony has a large following on social media. Due to the events in the media, his large follower count is affected by either a large growth or decrease in the number of followers that he has. The loss of followers and engagement in his media strikes fear. The purpose of our podcast topic, Social Media Influences on the Law, is to fully understand the inner workings of social media and how it interacts with the law from the eyes of someone who is fully immersed in it. An influencer. The law and legal authorities have a history of being misrepresented through the media, whether it be through social media, TV shows, the news, or podcasts. Details of the written law, the interpretation of the law, and the carriers of a law are often skewed, exaggerated, dramatized, and overwhelmed in order to please certain audiences. It's become incredibly difficult to differentiate between what is reality and what is fiction for the sake of the given audience. Anthony is a social media influencer who has more insight on the effects of social media on individuals and on legal credibility because of his profession. As an influencer, he also experiences the negative side effects of social media and witnesses how certain things pan out from a professional and personal perspective. He understands the meaning of credibility and reality in terms of the law and the representation of it. Anthony is a credible and reliable source because he has been working as an influencer for approximately two years and he can help identify myths and misconceptions about and within the media. By comparing his experiences to those shown in the media, we can better comprehend the law and the media as well. Thank you for being here and taking the time to answer a few of our questions. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, Thank you for having me. The first few questions we have for you are regarding your personal experience with your job on social media. Let's get started. Sounds good. Our first question for you is, have you ever experienced any of the so-called negative effects of social media as an influencer? Yeah, definitely. I have pretty large following on multiple platforms, one of which is about 95,000 followers and has 17 million views. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's huge. But with a large platform and following like that, there are a lot of things that are out of my control. Because it's nearly impossible to moderate and control all of the activity that goes on amongst our followers and other people who visit our platform, there have been instances of hate speech and other negative actions that reflect poorly on our account as well. Would you say this causes any negative effects such as isolation, depression, anxiety, cyberbullying, or self-absorption for either you as an individual or to the platform? It is hard to control the hate speech and other unpredictable negative actions, and those negative actions could potentially cause me to lose my platform. This fear of losing my platform can definitely give me anxiety because I could lose it at any time as a result. But at the same time, even though it makes a huge, large chunk of my, of my income, I know I could just bounce back from it. Well, yeah, definitely. I can't imagine how it feels to lose such a large platform as a result of actions of your own followers or outside individuals. Our next question is, how have you used your platform and following to influence others positively? Yeah, definitely. We've hosted a number of fundraisers, one of, one of, and we recently just hosted a fundraiser to support Vest with PTSD. We are also in the process of doing another fundraiser to bring awareness to the farmers in India because of they are currently having problems with their own, with their government. And we want to show and send our support to those farmers. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Kudos to you guys for supporting and bringing awareness to so many different groups of people in need. Our next question for you is, what is your experience with the legal side of social media, as in copyright laws, adjustment to the labor code, privacy laws, etc.? In my experience, a lot of things have been taken out of context. This holds us liable for the misunderstandings. Oh, wow. Has hacking ever affected your work or your platform? If so, how is hacking? How was it hacked and how was it handled? We actually use a lot of backdoor type of stuff. We actually keep everything private, protected, and secure. We make sure that we have two-factor two authentication and we use VPNs. So we haven't had any hacking issues yet, 
As a matter of fact, one of the guys who works with us used to work with computer security, so he has experience with computer technology, hacking, and software protections. Oh, that's great. So no issues then? Yeah, no issues. Talk to you about your opinion and perception of the representation of law within the media. Do you think our legal system takes social media crimes too lightly? No, I think it's the other way around, actually. Whenever there's something in the media or something happens on one of our platforms that could constitute a crime or cause any kind of legal issues, even if it's the smallest thing, we will make content surrounding it, try to blow it up and become successful because of it. That's a very strategic approach to a situation like that. Wow. Our next question for you is, do you believe violent crime is overrepresented in the media? It depends on the media, but I believe crimes are both under and overrepresented. Okay, I have a follow-up question for you. Do you think the media perpetuates any stereotypes regarding crimes or criminals? All the time because of the fact that they want to entice the audience to be entertained more thoroughly with commonalities amongst their stereotypes. I've thought about it that way too, actually. Um, our next question for you is, do you think law and crime shows do more damage than good? Do you mean like law and order and criminal minds? Yeah. I feel like people who watch those shows and take everything literally and believe it's realistic take that information with them to the real world. There are a lot of people who base their knowledge off these types of shows and are under, under the impression that some behaviors by law enforcement are okay, such as being searched for no reason and being arrested for no reason. Exactly. Our next question for you is how accurate do you think law and crime shows really are? Zero, zero accuracy whatsoever. Law and crime shows overly exaggerate the duties and actions used by a Justice Department and conveniently ignore the boring paperwork. Do you think if law and crime shows were more accurate, they'd be popular? No, those shows rely on the audience to be fully entertained by the superficial acts of what's going on rather than how everything works. Having a shootout or a spicy court trial is much more entertaining than learning about the bureaucracy of these events. Do you think the media promotes fear of crime by exaggerating the amount and seriousness of a crime and the risks to groups such as young women and the elderly, or do you think crime is under-exaggerated? Media over-exaggerates the seriousness of a crime. It makes sense, though. The media competes with a dozen other platforms such sources of media entertainment like mine. They need it to get that shock value and really bait the viewer into watching. Do you think deviant behavior is increasing in the youth or decreasing? Deviant, beha deviant behavior is increasing. I think it's a serious issue that is heavily understated in our society. While I heavily support the rights and freedoms of our individuals since I hold individualism to be near religious extent, I highly disagree with how people are being targeted to increase deviant behavior. Do you think the media influences how deviant kids and teens are? If so, how? All the time. Media influences the next generation so much that it's easier to to say that they are outright setting the pace for how the next generation will be. If I owned a huge conglomerate and my products were deviant in nature, you can bet that I wouldn't want the media to show my product or in some relation of it to the next generation for a long time until they accept it as a normal. At this point, I'm basically explaining the vaping industry. Interesting. So what's your take on Proposition 14? I'm against it. I hate high taxes and Prop 14 makes of a general obligation bond, which would allow the state to use all resources, including taxes, to repay that bond. I'm not in favor of big government spending, especially when we have problems of our own in California, like tackling homelessness, income equality, and trafficking. Well, expanding on that, what, do you, what are your takes on Proposition 17? I dislike it. I think it's another way to influence future voters. It actually makes no logical sense either. Whichever political party supports it for those on parole to have the opportunity to vote is the party that will benefit the most from, those, from that voting block. It's basically just being corrupt and taking advantage of the people, which I'm highly against. Now we want to discuss the effects media has on its audience and the general population. Do you think the media glamorizes crime? In a way, yeah. Some genres of music usually involve violence and other legal acts. One of Bobby Shmurda's songs is a classic at a rager party. Even though Straight Up talks about several legal acts, some of movies and shows glamorize shooters and committing crimes because it's honestly very entertaining. Media glamorizes crime and we like it because it shows a very different reality where there aren't any repercussions for the acts that are committed and it draws us in. Thank you for your thorough responses. Do you think the faces and names of school shooters should be shown on the news? Uh, no, not a name or a face or, or even a description of what they look like. 
The last thing we need in society is a martyr for a heinous act. So going off of that, do you think school shooters want to be known? And how would taking them off news stations affect the frequency of school shootings like after COVID? Some want to be known to get that celebrity attention sort of treatment. Usually there's a motive behind it, though. That motive, that motive is what they want the world to know. Anthony's platform on social media is reflective of a common symbolic environment. A common symbolic environment is an environment in which the media immediately around you changes the perspectives of a specific audience. Anthony produces media that is directed towards his specific audience, those who enjoy intellectual and political content. Another example of this is TikTok's algorithm. This interview has also brought up examples of the cultivation theory, which is a theory in which individuals believe that what they are exposed to on TV or in films happen in real life. Anthony stated that he believes media is 90% fiction, and he explained that audiences believe what they see throughout the media despite whether or not it is reality. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a deeper look into the inner workings of social media and how the law plays a role in its effects. Yes, thank you so much for your time and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me.